We are uh, celebrating what's happening on Friday, but celebrating really the mission of the church and celebrating this series, which you brought to us, The yes. Seven Yeses. How did this whole content come to Rancho? Yeah. It's your fault. You know, well, it is my fault. Uh, <laughs> so I've been following this guy's ministry. His name's Mike Foster for about 20 years. And last year, the book, The Seven Primal Questions came out. I've read other books of his and other things that he's done. Read it. My wife read it. And it had such a profound impact in our family that I began a journey of getting a coaching certificate and, and spending time learning more about how to bring this. I do a lot of pastoral care and counseling. I wanted to be able to walk with people a little bit healthier. Ended up mentioning that to you and to our team. And it, the rest, we could say, is history. Yes, and, and absolutely. It, the impact been having is pretty mind-blowing. It's, it's been great. And uh, not only has that impacted uh, you and me and our whole staff team went through this and we've identified our own Apex questions and talked about those. We got to know each other a little bit better and we're able to encourage each other. It was kind of great as every uh, one of our ministry team shared their Apex question. We were able to pour affirmation into every single one and to recognize that, you know, hey, God's put together this team to do amazing things and we're yeah. a diverse team, right? We're not all wired the same. Yeah. Uh, and you had mentioned that this is having an impact kind of exponentially a little bit as our church is going through it. So many have gotten the book, taken the test, had conversations in their homes, but then maybe have even taken it to their workplaces. Yeah, right? you know, I had a couple of buddies that said like, man, I shared it with my brother and next thing you know, there's 30 books in his office and he's <laughs> given it to all of his team because when you can learn how we all operate better, your team can thrive better and you can, and you can speak yep. into your team's primal question because we're all doing things for different reasons. It, it has just been pretty mind-blowing. It's been yeah. great. So we're going to take a test. This is our weekly test. Remember, this uh, series is called The Seven Yeses, just mm -hmm. as a little bit of a hint, right? Week number one, am I safe? The answer is yes. yes. Am I secure? Yes. Am I loved? Yes. Am I wanted? Yes. Am I successful? Yes. Am I good enough? Yes. All right, that's six yeses. Are yes. we going to get to the seventh? The question today is, do I have purpose? Now, yes. Steve, with any one of these uh, uh, questions, there's this great gift that these people give to the world, but there's also some cautions. So when it comes to this particular question, do I have purpose? What are the, the good things, the treasures that these people bring to the world? I call them pe purpose people. Yes. And then what are some of the cautions behind uh, the purpose people? Yeah, totally. I mean, and we all have this primal experience, as I like to put it, that gets us there. Maybe you were raised in a home that was very religious or just very driven, you know? You, you had parents that were very purposeful, always doing things, always telling you that you have this purpose especially when it says God's given you a purpose, you know? And so that could begin to cause you to have that primal question. The scramble that can happen with that, that we've seen and we've walked with a lot of people through is when you don't feel like maybe you're capturing that purpose and you're getting a little bit older and you're wrestling with that, that could cause you a couple things, real frustration, uh, real discouragement. You can look down upon yourself. It could cause you to not do anything, right. you know, or to not see the good because you're expecting the great, or the perfect. And so sometimes those that have that primal question, that could be their scramble. And they just don't see the journey as that valuable. They're trying to see something big that they're trying to shoot for. And so that is the difficulty. Now, on the other side, like we said, this is not about fixing this. You, what you bring to the table, if this is your primal question, I think I know someone, because a lot of times church leaders are purpose people. I have a feeling I work with one of these guys. <laughs> and... Uh, um, you know, when you bring that question and you bring it to the world, I mean, you're a business 
leaders, your church leaders, you're helping a team see purpose in what you're doing and accomplishing. So you could be bringing a lot to the table. Uh, but I have a buddy of mine that works with business people that have huge companies that are losing that purpose. They're not seeing, you know, even though they've created things, they're scrambling, even though things are uh, successful. So there's just a lot to this one. And it's one that we all want, right? I got purpose. Like, you know, mine's in, I'm insecure. If any of you were there for that, right? I had to sit there. Why can't mine mean something good? You know, mine, I had to sit there and, you know, you get to be like, I'm such a purposeful person, you know? So anyways, but well, there's a lot to that. There is a lot to that. Yeah. And one of the things I think we've done very well through this um, series is that there isn't one that's better than the other. No. Uh, every single person brings uh, strength and every single person and every single style and every single motivation has some cautions, right? And, and really, and we'll see this today, it takes all of us working together to really represent the fullness of Jesus because we can say, hey, absolutely there are parts of the life and ministry of Jesus that were focused on bringing purpose. We'll see that today. There was parts of the life and ministry of Jesus focused on bringing security to yeah, people. Totally. So it is all of us, it is all in, but all of us really could use a yes to every one of these questions. Exactly, yep. and it's been a great time. Absolutely, yeah, Steve, thank thanks for bringing so this to much. us. Appreciate it very much. Let me have your mic. Oh, thanks. It's my purpose to take the that, mic from you. That is I exactly forgot right. last service. I'm I forgot so happy last time right now. and it just created complete pandemonium. So, all right. Well, here we are. Now, we're going to call people who are motivated by this question, do I have purpose? We're going to call them purpose people. There are purpose people, and then there are people who are not purpose people. And just to put it very simply, if you have this, this kind of weight in the back of your mind that I want to accomplish something kind of big... I wanna leave the world better than I found it, right? I wanna rally a team together to kind of make some change in this world. If that's you, you're a people person, a purpose person. If those thoughts don't really cross your mind all that much and you're just focused on, hey, I've got my family and I got a job and provide for my family, that is great. You may not be so much a purpose person. Um, but really for all of us, whether we are a purpose person or not a purpose person, we do wanna answer yes to this question. Yes, my life has purpose. And I think we're gonna get to the yes today. It's just a suspicion in this seven yeses series, but I think we're gonna get to the yes. Here's the downside of being a purpose person. As Steve mentioned earlier, there can be a tortured soul in there. There could be a tortured soul in there because there's this lofty, big purpose and vision behind what you might wanna accomplish in your life and when we don't quite get there, or it's a moving target, like we're accomplishing purposeful things, but then there's more, and then there's more, it can be this tortured soul sort of phenomenon. And we see that in King Solomon. Here's King Solomon in the Old Testament, king over Israel, absolutely a purpose person, who you could say objectively achieved everything he could possibly want. He was over the most successful point in Israel's 3,500 year history, even to this very day. The king over this incredible kingdom, the largest borders in their history, the wealthiest they have ever been. As the king of Israel, the wealthiest person maybe who has ever lived. This is King Solomon. Yet this is what he says about the sum total of his life. You ready to be depressed for a little bit? Ecclesiastes 2.17. I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Here's a purpose person, achieving everything he could possibly achieve. At the end of his life, it was all for nothing. Totally unsatisfied. Hated life. 
and 33 times in the book of Ecclesiastes says it is vanity. And he uses the Hebrew word hebel, which means a vapor, empty, useless, nothing, absolutely nothing. That's the tortured soul of somebody who's a purpose person, never figuring out how to navigate that calling. I'm gonna reference a, a, a movie, an old movie that's now a classic. It's The Matrix, The Matrix. The only movie I've ever stood in line to see at midnight. And uh, great night, great movie. The other two were terrible, but the first one was great. And some of you know the story, right? The Matrix is this, let's call it a code that writes this sort of illusion called reality. And, and Neo is becoming aware of this code and he's given a, a choice. Is he gonna live aware of the code, the burden that that might bring, or does he wanna choose another route of sort of living away from that and just living in the bliss of not knowing the code? It's the blue pill and red pill. Now, the blue pill keeps you in the bliss of, knowing, um, of not knowing what's behind the reality. It just keeps you in the now and keeps you just kind of living your life. That's the blue pill. Now, the movie was made before another blue pill hit the market, which, you know, we won't talk about today. But then there's a red pill, and the red pill awakens you to the code. It awakens you to the harsh reality of the way things actually are, the matrix, right? Purpose people take the red pill. Not better for worse. It's just the purpose people take the red pill. The purpose people say, I want to know what's going on in this world. And I wanna feel what's really going on in this world. So purpose people try to see the world as it is with all of its brokenness and all of its pain. Purpose people have this desire, this need to kind of fix what's broken in the world. They feel the burden of what's broken and wanna rally teams together to make a difference. They see the potential of what could happen if we all kind of get together and accomplish something big. Purpose people imagine, what if everybody was a purpose people? And what if everybody rallied their time and their resources to, to make big positive changes in this world? But they also feel the pain of what happens when not enough is being done. Those are purpose people. Our goal today is that for purpose people and people who are not purpose people, we'll still get to that yes. My life is full of purpose, even if I don't achieve everything my heart wants to achieve. Now, this is my apex question. When I took the test, I was expecting, am I successful to be the question? I looked at the seven questions and I thought, well, that's gonna be mine, am I successful? As I talked about two weeks ago, um, I prefer to be successful at things I do. Sometimes, sometimes I'm not, but I am driven in part by being successful, but there is something underneath that that showed up on the test that took me a while to get adjusted to. Um, I and three other people on our ministry team are driven by this question, uh, do I have purpose? And I got to thinking about this, and, and one example I'll share with you today kind of popped up to my attention. In 2004, uh, I was um, pegged for being the guy who would succeed our founding pastor. Uh, Steve Strickman's amazing hero around here. He founded this church with a, a group of elders the year I was born, served as the lead pastor for 33 years, and then he was looking to move on, to retire, as he called retread. And so he's looking around for who might take his spot, and he asked me. He says, I think you might be the guy. And so the Lord began their journey and discerning whether or not I'd be the guy to succeed our founding pastor. I was very humbled by the whole process. Um, I felt I was pretty young, maybe a little inexperienced, and so I had a journey to walk. 
And part of that journey was meeting with uh, what was called the Board of Elders, right? That's a big fancy church term, the Board of Elders. And so one of these meetings, I was with them in this cramped room, 19 men, all staring at me, all older than me significantly. And uh, they asked me several questions, which was fine. But they asked one question that just threw me. What do you want to change once you're the lead pastor? I swallowed really hard and I had a choice to make. It was the choice between success and purpose because I could give them an answer that would guarantee the success of me becoming the next lead pastor, right? And you can imagine what those answers would be. Very affirming, which there's a lot to affirm and kind of status quo stuff and that would ensure a smooth transition. I chose a different answer and I knew I was taking a risk at the time. And I said, well, there are a few things like big things I would wanna see change about Rancho. Uh, I love this church. I've, I grew up at this church. This church saved my family from total destruction. This church has poured its life into me and my brother and my mom and my dad. And we're here because of this church. There's so many wonderful things about it, but there are a few things that we could change. We'll just walk a journey. One is this church does nothing in terms of humanitarianism, nothing. And I said, we need to change that. We follow Jesus. Jesus was the consummate humanitarian, right? The greatest humanitarian that ever lived. We follow Jesus. We've got to be a, become a humanitarian church. And the second answer um, to these 19 men was look around. And I think this room could be different. And I think we need to walk a journey where we celebrate women in leadership equally and every opportunity is equal. And they swallowed hard because that's a big deal in church. And they hired me and we walked this journey. Now, here's the reality. Purpose people will choose purpose over success every single time. And we might say, well, you know, that's very lofty and very wonderful and, and lots of good things can happen as a result, but there's also this dark side about purpose people that we have got to be keenly aware of. One of them is that purpose people can become purpose junkies. Purpose people can become purpose junkies. And that is not an overstatement. It is, it is a, a bit of an addiction because we're so up for the adventure of, of tackling big problems, right? And those big problems could be in our lives, in our family, in our company, but we're tackling big things and we're, we're eager to do that. It's like an adrenaline rush. We're, we're fighting some big battle. We're going after some big dragon out there. And so what tends to happen for purpose people is when there's a little bit of lull in the action, right? So you've accomplished something big and you've done something wonderful and maybe you got some accolades and whatever, and then things are kind of in a calm phase. Purpose people are like, well, what's next? Where's the next enemy? Where's the next dragon to slay, right? And so we wanna get right back into the battle and everybody's just tired, right? And so we can become purpose junkies, always wanting to do the next big thing. This is why Jesus, when he was sending his disciples out to do something big, gave them this caution. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. What was Jesus saying there? He's saying, listen, I'm sending you out to a big world with a big mission. The mission of Jesus was to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Big mission, big purpose. And he's sending his disciples to continue that work, to advance the cause of Christ, right? To bring the kingdom of heaven to the planet earth. 
big deal, go out there. And he says, you're going out there and you'll be fighting. There will be wolves out there and they will want to hunt you down and they will want to literally kill you. So this is a big deal. You're slaying big dragons here. You're going up against religious powers and political powers. Be careful and be wise. Wise as serpents, be calculated and be innocent, be harmless. Really think this through. Purpose people can be purpose junkies. Purpose people can also make purpose about what we do as opposed to who we are. And this is a big mistake that purpose people make. Purpose is defined as the stuff we do, doing big things, accomplishing things. And so if we're not doing and doing and doing more and doing more, we feel meaningless. And then we also can get very judged about others who might just be doing normal work, even good work, but it's not like big stuff. And so we get very condemning of ourselves and we get condemning of others because we're not purposeful enough, meaningful enough. The most famous religious book other than the Bible ever authored was a book by Rick Warren called Purpose Driven Life. Have you heard about it? I think everybody's heard about it. It was written in 2002. Um, It sold 50 million copies in 85 languages. I mean, it swept the world. Rancho Church went through this book in the early 2000s, and it was fantastic. I mean, every small group went through it. We preached through it. Uh, 40 Days of Purpose was the title. I think most every church in America went through this book. It really was fantastic, and it went through a journey of purpose. Now, it defined purpose the way you could say church, particularly evangelical church, would define it in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Get to work. Do more. And so the chapters just kind of lay out as the things that we do to live purposeful lives. Your life has purpose if you worship. Your life has purpose if you participate faithfully in church. Your life has purpose if you grow in faith through all these disciplines. Your life has purpose if you volunteer in ministry. Your life has purpose if you live your life on mission. And so while the world embraced it, and rightfully so, it it was a great book. It just was all about doing and doing and doing. So this feeling was, all right, well, my life will have purpose only if I do more. And so it ends up putting a burden on people. Now, there's a new movement that started today, and I think it's a great one. It's a grace-based movement. And it's a phrase that you'll hear over and over and over again, and I think it's a great one. It's the phrase, you are enough. And so while older songs talk about, God, I surrender all, and you are my all in all, nothing else matters but you, those are the big purposeful songs about what we do for God. That narrative is changing, and thankfully so. Essentially telling us we are purposeful and we are meaningful just because we're alive and nothing more. Isn't that what Evan and Delaney talked about before that song? And isn't that what that song says? That you, God, you pursue us and you love us as you find us and we are enough. And we might think, well, is that, is that just some, you know, cliche inspirational poster that you put on your bedroom? No, it is core gospel theology. God looks at us and he loves us and he's satisfied with us and proud of us just as we are. To put it this way, Your life and my life is deeply meaningful and full of purpose just because you're a living, breathing person wonderfully made in the image of God, and that is enough. We talked about King Solomon. 
ancient king of Israel. Let's talk about King David, also an ancient king of Israel. He too was a purpose person, and he too achieved everything he possibly put his heart to. He expanded the borders of Israel to their largest you know, position ever in their 3,500 year history. And he was this very successful warrior king. He had it all, but he wasn't the tortured soul that Solomon was. He understood that his value and his purpose was not in the things that he achieved, but simply in who he was. So in Psalm 139, he very famously says, I know I have purpose, not because I'm a king of this vast kingdom, not because I'm this incredibly successful warrior or this rich person who's accomplished more than anybody could imagine. He says, my life has purpose and meaning simply because I'm a human being. And he points to his life in the womb to prove it before he did anything, accomplished anything, before he could even imagine what a life of purpose might even look like. He says, in the womb, I was treasured by God. Just soak this in. I'm gonna read several verses. Just soak this in. And this is you, as well as David. God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't, I can't even count them. They are grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. You see what David is doing? David is acknowledging I'm a treasure of God, not because of the grand purpose that I've achieved, but just because I'm a human being breathing the breath of God, made in the image of God. David is satisfied saying, I am enough. I am enough. But for some of us, we could rest in the foundation that I'm enough. I don't have to do anything for God or prove anything to anyone, God or anybody else. I am enough, but I do want to accomplish some things. And why not accomplish some things? Why not put my heart and my attention and whatever talents I have or resources towards some initiatives that I want to see take place? Absolutely no problem at all. So we're going to give you a few grace-based things to think about as we all live our lives with purpose. So here's a few things to think about. Be purposeful about your purpose. Be purposeful about your purpose. If you've got kind of this nagging sense that you want to achieve some things in your life, maybe some big things in your life or some meaningful things in your life, if that is swirling around your head and in your heart, be purposeful about your purpose. Really think about your calling. Really think about your calling. I'm going to show you an image of a rubber band, and I brought a rubber band of my own. So this is very powerful stuff here. Think of purpose people as a rubber band. Purpose people live in tension, pretty much always, between the way things are now and the way things should be. So one side of the rubber band is the way things are now. And purpose people know that the way things are now aren't quite right, and so you're thinking about the way things could be, so that's vision. If you're a purpose person and you have never written down a vision statement, that's your homework. Turn it in to scott.treadwayatrancho.tv. Um, write a vision statement. Because if you've got this general discontent that things are not the way they should be, well, write something down. Be purposeful about your purpose. What do you want to see different? That's your vision. And then in the middle is your plan to go from where things are now to achieving the vision. That's your plan. So I want to encourage you, write out a plan. 
You can call it a strategic plan, or you can just say, hey, one, two, three, four, these are the sequence of things I, I might wanna do in order to get to this vision. So you know what the way things are now is, is not satisfactory to you purpose people. Write out a vision, then write out a little bit of a plan. This might take you five minutes, but you're a little more purposeful about your purpose. I love Proverbs 16.9. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord uh, directs his steps. Meaning this, you're discontent in the now, you have a vision for the future, you've made a plan to get to the preferred future, and as you go along, that tension you know, might release a little bit because things are changing and you've had a part in changing things around you, that's great. But then maybe you get stuck. And for a lot of visionaries and a lot of purpose people, when you get stuck, we can get very depressed. Like, whoa, this isn't working according to plan. Well, make your plans, but the Lord directs the steps, meaning that things are not always gonna work out according to your, what, plan. And so we've gotta adjust. And it could be that you go a little bit and then you get stuck. Okay, well, it could very well be that that vision changes and things kind of move and shake and just hold this whole thing with an open hand. Things are flexible. Life just doesn't always go according to this linear plan that we've devised in our head. So make your vision, make your plan, go along, but also be ready to adjust, right? Or you're gonna get stuck. And a lot of uh, purpose people get stuck because they didn't quite do what they think is enough or go far enough and they feel like failures. They're not able to adjust. Be sure to adjust. Or the vision um, purpose junkies would say, all right, I've done this, ooh, let's do this, and let's do this, and you'll exhaust everybody around you. So be purposeful about your purpose. Also, get a supportive group around you. Purpose people can't accomplish their purpose alone. They shouldn't, and they frankly can't. Get a group around you, a group to support you, not to serve you, <laughs> but to support you, right? And to learn from each other. You can learn from them, they can learn from you, and you can do something together. Please, for the love of all that is holy, do not make your group a bunch of pe purpose people. You will spontaneously explode, all of you. It's just not going to work. And I, I'm gonna tell you, just all honesty, the greatest pleasure of my vocation here at Rancho Church School Rescue Mission is the team we get to serve with. Not all of them are are purpose people, thank God, right? Three of us are purpose people, but you've got people people and you've got planning people and you've got just a whole array of beautiful people and all seven of these questions working together to accomplish something wonderful. And so I'm just gonna let you in a little bit to the Oz behind the curtain of Rancho, just for a minute. Here's the purpose statement of Rancho Church. Purpose statement of Rancho Church, very intentional. A diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ through mercy, justice, and love. That is not necessarily a success statement. That is a purpose statement. A diverse community. How hard is it to have a church that's a diverse community? It's Most church communities, in fact, churches are famous for being clusters of like-minded cliques, right? There's the conservative church, the evangelical church, the liberal church, the progressive church. There's the, honestly, white church. There's black church, Hispanic church. There's just cultural differences and political differences and interpretive differences all over the place. It is very difficult to be a diverse community of friends, but we're after it. And there's a team of board members. We've got four boards, and we've got a team of uh, staff pastors and volunteer pastors, and we have got incredible volunteers that are working in every corner of this place 
towards this purpose statement. Diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ. Not advancing a church, not advancing a religion, not advancing Christianity, but advancing the cause of Christ. And we read the life of Christ and see the ministry of Christ. And he advanced the kingdom of heaven through mercy, justice, and love. So that's what we're going after. We're trying our best. (laughs) Do not do it perfectly. Trying our best. That's a purpose statement. And the teams that we get to work with are accomplishing that together. And not everybody's a purpose, people. How about Rancho Christian School? Here's our purpose statement. Equipping Christ-centered leaders who are ready for university and ready for life. That is not a success statement, that is a purpose statement. So we're not a, a, a private school that is you know, getting people out of the world into this insular protective bubble, shielding these kids from the big bad world. We do not do that. Other schools might have that as their purpose, that is not our purpose. We wanna equip Christ-centered leaders who are ready for university and ready for life to get out of here and to accomplish wonderful things uh, for the the kingdom of heaven. Um, And so last week here, just a few days ago, in that room over there, uh, a parent asked me, so um, you funnel every one of our graduates into Christian universities, right? And I said, well, wrong, (laughs) and pointed them to the purpose statement. We want to equip Christ-centered leaders ready for university, ready for life. So when you go, you're engaging the real world, not just in a protective bubble. How about Community Mission of Hope? Providing food, housing, and mentoring on a journey of freedom through relationship, dignity, and love. So it's not just handing out. Honestly, that's kind of easy. Handing out, handing out, giving away, giving away. Highly relational, life-to-life. And providing dignified um, community and dignified housing. that's the purpose statement of Community Mission of Hope that we launched in 2009. It is the purpose that rallies a team, a diverse team, to accomplish something incredible. And that team is not just dozens, it's hundreds of people serving in all of these ways, moving big things forward. And all of us are involved, not just the purpose people, but all of us. Get a support group around you. And then look at the example of Jesus. And this is, this is, quite serious. Look to the example of Jesus. No doubt Jesus was a purpose person. No doubt. Son of God. (laughs) Big purpose. Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Big purpose. I don't think there's been a bigger purpose in all the earth. He had a purpose statement in John chapter 5 verse 19. One of many. This is just one of them I picked. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son, son of God, can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. That's one of the many purpose statements of Jesus. Whatever God does, I do. Any questions? Right? Moving forward, the kingdom of heaven on earth. Big, big purpose. Clear message. New world of love and grace and kindness, compassion, dignity and grace to help the poor, the sick, the outcast, the marginalized, the sinner. This is the cause of Christ. But how did that whole thing end? I'm just gonna say it did not end successfully. If you were to objectively sort of map the purpose of Jesus with the outcome of his life, you would tag it as a failure, utter, abject failure. Big mission, big cause, big meaning. This is how his life ended. A fairly small movement of followers shrank to almost nothing in the end. They bailed on him by the hundreds, left him by the hundreds. That final little group of followers ran away in the middle of the night when he was arrested. 
On the Friday of his crucifixion, the vision of the kingdom of heaven on earth was nowhere to be found. The son of God was being crucified on the cross and the skies were black and he breathed his last breath. That's the life of Christ. A purpose, I don't think, that has ever been matched, ending with absolutely nothing, nothing. Luke 23, 35, the people mocked him on the cross saying he says he's the savior of others and he can't even save himself. So much for being the Christ, the chosen of God. And that was the end. Was his life full of purpose? Absolutely. Did he experience any of the success that he envisioned? Absolutely none of it. None of it. And yet by the providence of God and the spirit of the resurrected Christ, this light of Christ started really shining through a few pockets of people, just a few tiny pockets of people in Israel. And they kind of spread beyond Israel into some small towns that you can visit today and some small churches cropped up. And then the Roman Empire slowly became increasingly Christian. Upwards of 14% of the Roman Empire ended up becoming Christians, following Jesus, committed to bringing the kingdom of love and compassion and grace to the earth. And then the Roman emperor had this dream of the cross coming into Rome and says, well, I think we're becoming a Christian empire, <laughs> okay? And then it spread to all of Europe and then to North Africa, it went east, it went to Northern Europe, it then came to the West, North and South America. And right now it is the largest religious movement on earth with two billion people following Jesus. How did all that happen? Through one person, Jesus, who had this incredible purpose, experienced zero success, but the providence of God moved the faith forward unimaginably, and I think we're just getting started. I think the love of Christ is just getting started, in many ways, just taking root on earth after 2,000 years. So the point is this, I'm not the son of God, you're not the son of God. But whether you're a people person or a person who's not a people person, you don't know the, the meaning that your life is generating, the light that your life is generating. If the Son of God experienced zero success on earth and yet there's two billion people following the way of Christ right now, you have no idea the impact you're making and you will never know that this side of eternity. But just know that being alive is great meaning. Being alive has great purpose. You're, a, you're the image of God on earth and every single conversation and every act of kindness and every bit of love that you share with everyone around you is having an impact on this world that you will never know, this side of eternity. Live in the pleasure of that. And finally, I just wanna encourage you to, to enjoy the journey. If you're a purpose person, you are in a lot of tension a lot of the time. All that has yet to be done. Criticizing yourself about the things you haven't done or haven't done yet. Thinking you've missed the mark, thinking you've missed opportunities. You live in a certain amount of tension, but I want you to enjoy the journey. Just knowing that we've gotta be flexible. Things change, right? Circumstances change. We've had so many seasons here of change, right? Where you think you're doing that and then some circumstances hit and things happen and you just gotta move and you gotta flex. Enjoy the journey. Go through life on a sailboat, not a motorboat. You know what I mean by that? 
My grandpa had a motorboat, big motorboat. And he's like, and you're pounding through the waves and we're heading there. It's a lot more fun to be on a sailboat and to just enjoy the journey. Wind blows here, ooh, we're going there. Wind blows there, ooh, we're going there. The smile on our face, knowing that just being alive is purposeful and wherever we go and every good thing that we do is for the pleasure of God. And he enjoys every minute and we should as well. To quote the book, Seven Primal Questions on the Purpose Chapter, don't forget to smile, to laugh, and enjoy the gift of today. Sound like a deal?